Amen. As you're getting your chairs, go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them to Jonah. Jonah. So if you can find the major prophets and get yourself to Daniel just a little further to your right and you'll find Jonah. Don't turn too many pages at a time though because you are now in the minor prophets and the minor prophets are shorter and uh, that's why they're called minor prophets by the way. Their message isn't any less significant than the major prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, but uh, their books are just shorter, all right? And so that's why they're, they're minor prophets. And this is a significant uh, book for us to study together. As I said, we're going to spend the next five weeks uh, covering the, the book in its entirety. It's four chapters long, and uh, we're just going to work our way through it. It's a very a significant book, as I said. So please, please, please don't dismiss Jonah as a child's story, right? So many grew up uh, even in their younger days. If you had any experience in church hearing about Jonah and the whale and Veggie Tales even made a movie about it. And, and so you've got all that going on, but please don't, don't dismiss Jonah as a, as a child's story because it's got a lot of challenges for you and I in there um, as, as adults and as followers of Jesus Christ. And so a um, couple things that Jonah is going to challenge us with is Jonah is about God's love uh, for all people, number one. It's about God's compassion. It's about our need for repentance. It's about grace, and it's about having missionary hearts. And so that's what we're going to talk about in the next five weeks, and, and that's my prayers that we would allow God to challenge us in these areas. And so let me ask you a question to, as we set up this morning, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I want to ask you the question, how do you think you would respond if God showed up and asked you to do something very specific? Right, and or if he called you to take a message, like he did most of his prophets. I, I don't know about you, but most of the time, the way that I think about things is I'm like, I would be like Isaiah, right? Like, here I am, Lord, send me, right? Uh, or uh, I, maybe, maybe even like Moses, where you're like, listen, I'm, I'm not very good at, at speaking, and, and I'm a little reluctant to do it, but God, if you say so, then, then I'm going to go. Or maybe even Noah. How many of you have heard the new song, Build a Boat, recently? Anybody heard uh, Build a Boat? There's a line in there that I love. It says, I will build a boat in the sand where they say it never rains. And that's incredible, and I think we all desire to have that kind of faith and that kind of response to God when he shows up, uh, much like those characters. And oftentimes that's who we read ourselves into, right? Uh, most of the time we don't go, you know what, I'm probably Jonah, right? Like God shows up and he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. And we're like, yeah, hard pass, okay? Um, I know that you're like creator of the universe and all that, but you know, I just got, I got some other things going on right now, right? Like we don't typically read ourselves into that. And so the, maybe the better question is to ask it this way. How would you respond to God if he asked you to do something you didn't want to do? I think that's the more challenging question uh, for us as believers, because we're, we're all about responding to God in, in obedience and, and faith when it's something that makes sense to us, right? When it's something that we can get behind, when it's something that we believe with all of our heart and, and something that we want to see happen, right? But, but what if it's not those things and God shows up and he asks us to do them? Then what? How do we respond in those circumstances? And that's what I want to challenge us with this morning. Jonah chapter 1 Verses 1 through 3, 
We're going to be introduced to the book. We're going to be introduced to the prophet Jonah. And we're going to see God call him to do a very specific task that Jonah decides that he wants no part of. All right, And in this, we're going to have to recognize that at certain points in our lives, we are Jonah. Right, and so we're going to walk through this, and we're going to we're going to do this together. I'm going to read it, uh, these three verses in their enti- entirety right now, and then we'll pray, and then we'll verse by verse unpack it and see what we need to learn about context, about who Jonah is, uh, who are these people in Nineveh, what does God ask him to do, and why is this significant, and ultimately why does he decide I don't want any part of this? Because I think it's going to be critical uh, for our understanding. Too many people kind of approach Jonah like maybe he was a or he was, he was scared or nervous. And no, Jonah knew exactly what he was doing. He was bailing, all right? And we're going to talk about why. So Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we talk about Jonah here. God, I pray that you would help us to see what we need to see in this passage about who you are, your heart for people, God. But I also pray that we would, that we would see ourselves God, that we, would, that we would be open and that we'd be honest and that we would allow you to do the work in our hearts and our lives, God, to reveal to us today who we really are and what we need to do. And God, if whether or not we're, we're responding to you in, in obedience and in faith or, or if like Jonah, God, we, we, we've got some other things going on. So God, I ask that you would come into this place, God, and, and we want to give you the freedom to challenge us, God, to, to mess with us a little bit here today. And God, we, we ultimately pray, God, that you would give us your heart for all people, God, that you would give us your compassion, God, that you would help us to see that you are merciful and gracious, and God, that you call us to be the same as followers of yours. So we pray all this in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're going to take a verse-by-verse approach in Jonah chapter uh, 1, starting in verse 1, and unpack this a little bit. So in verse 1, we're introduced to Jonah. So it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So we know that uh, God is coming to Jonah, much like he does uh, all the other prophets in the Old Testament. And he tells him, listen, I'm calling you out for a specific purpose. I need you to take uh, this message. You're going to be my messenger to a a specific group of people. And, And so God chooses Jonah and his sovereignty. And I think he chooses Jonah because this is going to be uh, profitable for the sailors and the people in Nineveh. But God is going to work simultaneously in the heart and mind of Jonah himself. And this is how God oftentimes works. And, and, it's, and it's fascinating to, to watch. And we're going to see how this plays out. But he, he comes to Jonah. And uh, all we know in the start of the book is that uh, his dad is named uh, Amittai, which is pretty cool, right? And so um, he, he's got a cool name, a cool sounding uh, dad's name, right? But you may be um, interested in knowing that this is actually not the first time in scripture that we're introduced to Jonah, all right? And so uh, anybody know where else? Pop quiz time. The looks on your face tell me that you weren't ready for a pop quiz, all right? It's 2 Kings, all right? So flip over real fast. So, so keep, your, keep your finger in Jonah. So we're going to 2 Kings chapter 14, 
2 Kings chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 23 through 27 because it gives us a little bit of an, an understanding of who Jonah is, when he was prophesying, and what was going on during the time that he was a prophet because we need that information to help us understand why Jonah responds the way that he does to God's calling to go to Nineveh. So 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 through 27, it says, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. He reigned 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he had made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. Verse 26, for the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, that there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So a lot of stuff going on in, in 2 Kings here. But what, what, what we want to understand today is that, that Jonah wasn't new to the prophet thing, right? Like, so, so when God shows up to Jonah in the book of Jonah and says, I want you to take this mis message to Nineveh, this wasn't like the, the first time that Jonah's had this experience with God. So, so he knows how this thing is supposed to work. And he was more than willing to, to prophesy before in his home country, right? And it says that he was a prophet during Jeroboam. So it's actually Jeroboam the second right? During his reign, he was a prophet, and we learned some things about what's going on uh, with Israel. And by the way, remember, just history lesson real fast, when it says his, uh, Israel, we're talking about the northern tribes, right? The, the 10 northern tribes. And then you've got Judah. So now they're separate kingdoms. And so Jeroboam II is king of Israel of the northern tribes. So Jonah is a prophet during his reign to him and the people in the northern tribes, okay? And so what it says is God decides that even though the northern tribes are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, God has made the decision to not blot them out. But instead, he saves them through the rulership of Jeroboam II. Now, we learned some things about Jeroboam, who, who Jonah's prophesying to, right? We learned that he is not a follower of God, right? He says that he sins in the, in the sight of the Lord, right? And so he's a great political leader. He's a great uh, military leader. He's a horrible spiritual leader uh, to the people. But God chooses to use him anyways. Why? To, because God wanted to save his people. So what's he begin to do? At this point in history, the northern kingdoms, they're, they're not having a, a real a strong go at things, right? Prior to Jeroboam, they've lost a lot of battles. They've lost a lot of land and territory. And so what God does is he saves them by expanding their reach back out to where it was under the reign of Solomon. So King Solomon, right? And so military conquest is going successful. They're, they're expanding their borders again. Like, like things are looking up, right? Like, like they were in a, a little bit of a depression and now under Jeroboam's leadership, they're, they're, they're seeing good things again, right? This is 
what is going on when Jonah is prophesying during the reign of Jeroboam. So he's seen his people in hard times, and now he's began to see God move on their behalf and begin to restore them back to uh, what they had before. And so things are looking up. And so this all matters in this because God's going to show up and then he's going to tell Jonah in the middle of the book of Jonah, now the next thing I want you to do is I want you to take this message to Nineveh, right? And so keep that in the back of your head, that they've been through some really hard days. Things are just now starting to look up. They're coming out of recession, okay? Think of it like that. Like, like gas prices were, were like $4 a gallon, and we need to get back to $1.50, and things are looking good, and we're coming out of this deal. And, and that's what they're experiencing nationally, right? And so God shows up, and he tells him that I want you to go to Nineveh. So we see this in verse two. So God says, arise and go to Nineveh, which is very fascinating because this isn't the first time that God has asked a prophet to prophesy against one of the nations. But it is rare that God wants Jonah to physically go there, right? Most of the time, the prophets would prophesy against them from a distance, right, from Israel. And so they're just, they're just letting everybody know that this is God's uh, impending judgment on the nations, right? But in this particular instance, God wants Jonah to physically travel there, which is very interesting. So, so uh, Nineveh is 550 miles northeast of where Jonah finds himself, right? So if you travel an average of 15 to 20 miles a day, it's going to take Jonah a month to get to Nineveh. So God's asking him to do something pretty significant here, right? And, and he wants him to go. I want you to have a physical presence in Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Don't just prophesy against it from Israel. I want you to go to it, right? And then he tells him the city, which would have been chilling to Jonah to hear the name of the city, right? Because in Jonah's mind, the Ninevites, they're, they're part of Assyria, and they are not good people, right? Like, like these are people that they would consider enemies. These are people that they're constantly battling with. And remember, things weren't going so well and things are just now starting to go well again. And then God says, I want you to take this message to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. So a couple of things about the Ninevites Right? They were relentless and persistent in their sinfulness. Even the, the king himself, we'll see in chapter 3 of Jonah, describes his people as evil and violent. Right? We see in Zephaniah 2.15 that they're carefree. Uh, they think that they're invincible. Right? Like who can, who can stand against So They're arrogant right? and they're, they're brutal to their war captives. They're, they're, not, they're not good people. They're, they're known for their idolatry. So they're worshiping all these things. And so you can imagine from Jonah's perspective, you're asking me to take this message to people that I don't want anything to do with, right? Like, like that's who they were. In fact, Jonah's contemporaries, so his other prophets that are prophesying around the same time are Amos and Hosea. And if you know anything about Amos and Hosea, God is prophesying to Israel that he's going to use Assyria to conquer them and to drag them off into captivity. Jonah knows these things. So God is showing up and asking Jonah, just when things are starting to go really well in Israel, to take his message to Nineveh, these brutal 
sinful people that are their enemies to take this message to them, knowing that at some point in the future, God has said he's gonna use them to bring judgment on his own people. That's a big, crazy thing to wrap your mind around, right? In fact, we think Jonah is prophesying here around 750. In 722, Sargon marches on the northern kingdoms, defeats them, and carries them off into captivity. You're talking 30 or 40 years from the time of the book of Jonah to when the Assyrians come in and, and, and take out God's people. And so Jonah's very reluctant to have anything to do with these people, right? Like what you're asking me to do is just something that I'm not on board with. And that's what we see in verse three. We read the response and it, and it should shock you, right? Like in, in verse three, it says, but Jonah rose to flee. Like you're expecting it to say like it does with Jeremiah and Isaiah and Abraham and, and Noah and all these other guys, right? Like you're, you're, the expectation is, well, if God asked, then I got to do it, right? And, but what we see here is that's not the case. God says, take this message and it should shock. It should shock our, our minds to see Jonah's response. He rose and he fled. It says he goes to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he goes down to Joppa to get on a boat, which by the way, there, there, there's no boat that is required to go to Nineveh, right? It, God's like, Jonah, I don't know if you know how land works, but you didn't need to get on a boat to do this. And by the way, Jonah, he, he's not directionally challenged like some of us, right? Like I know some people who have to use GPS just to get around Olathe, right? Um, he, he's not that. He, he's intentionally headed in the wrong direction, right? He heads off 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Why? Because Jonah has decided that he wants no part of taking the message of God to his enemies. I don't want to, and I'm not going to. So instead of going the direction that you say to go, God, I'm, I'm actually gonna go in the complete opposite direction because I don't, I don't want any part of this. I'm, I'm not okay with what you're asking. So because he's not on board, he just leaves. And he heads out on his own, which by the way, I feel like I so relate to Jonah's experience here. Like in my own story. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I was 16 years old. By the time I was 18, I felt like God had put this call on my life to, to be in ministry, to be a pastor. So I began to do my research and figured out I wanted to go to Southern Seminary in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I went there my, my freshman year of college. I packed up all my stuff and moved 11 hours away. And, and I was like, I, I just, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, right? Never felt, never felt better about knowing what God wants. Like I, I was certain that this is what it is. But you know what began to happen? I got there and I began to take these classes that began to challenge my understanding of the word and my understanding of who God is and, and, and the, the deep things of scripture. And, and I began to wrestle with them, right? And then in, in, the, in the backdrop of all that, I'm working in a church that things were just going terribly at, right? Like horrible things with the staff and, and the people. And, and I just got to see the ugliness of church, in a way that I hope I don't ever have to experience again. And so you add those two things together. I just got to this place in my life with the Lord that was like, listen, I know that you've called me to do it. That's, that's not the point. I just don't want to anymore. 
And that's where I was at. I literally remember out loud having a conversation with the Lord going, hey, listen, I know that this is what I was supposed to do, but if this is what your word is about, and if this is what church is like, you need to find someone else. And I'm not doing it. So I packed up all my stuff, and I moved back to Wichita. Now, we'll uncover a little bit more as we, as we go in this story, much like Jonah, one of the valuable lessons that I learned that has marked my life still to this day is that God doesn't give up on you. He will run you down, but that's for next week. <laughs> Can't get too far ahead of myself. But I know what it feels like to be in this spot where I know what God has asked me to do I just don't want to do it. And that takes a level of, of honesty that you're gonna have to figure out how to get to like because it happens to everyone. And it doesn't have to be called a ministry. I mean just something that you know what God says about that thing and you just don't care because you're not gonna do it anymore or you're not gonna even start. Why? Because you don't feel like it. You're not behind this, right? It's easy when you're 100% behind it. But like in Jonah's case, listen, we, 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 we put so much on Jonah in this and, and we fail to recognize that we are Jonah. We are Jonah. All the time in all these various instances, right? And that's what God challenged in my life. And, and if you actually want to know why Jonah leaves, flip over to Jonah chapter four, verse two. Do it real fast. Should only be like a... One or two pages, max. Jonah actually says it to God, and I want us to see it this morning so that we don't miss it. He gives the explanation of why he flees and he doesn't want to do what the Lord says. It says in verse two of chapter four, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. We're gonna find out in a couple weeks that Jonah takes this message and Nineveh repents and that is exactly why he didn't want to go in the first place. Because remember our backstory. Things weren't going so well for Israel Things are looking up again. They're, they're going well. And God says, I want you to take this message to Nineveh, your enemies, who at some point I'm going to use to bring judgment upon you. I want you to take this message to them. And Jonah says, I don't want any part of it. Why? Because I know you, God. I, I know. If, if, even if there's this much chance that they repent, if they do, you're going to relent. And that takes a level of honesty that's crazy, right? Like Jonah's like, I don't want you to relent. I want you to wipe them out. Why? So that they don't come after my people in the future. I don't want any part of this story. This doesn't make any sense to me. Send someone else because I know that about you. I know that you're merciful. I know that you're gracious. I knew this was going to happen. And this should mess with us some, right? It, it, it should dig down deep in our heart. Because for us, it's not the Ninevites, but there, there's someone out there, right? 
Especially if you get down to the point to where it's like, you, you think about whoever that person is or those people in your life that you would consider like the worst of the worst. Your enemies, right? Like, do you have a heart of compassion and a desire for them to come to saving faith? Or do you just hope that destruction falls upon them, right? I've said this for a long time. I don't think believers in Jesus Christ should be wringing our hands and hoping that God would just take everybody out, right? Even if that's deep down in there somewhere, like, like we've got to recognize that at some point we were those people. At some point in my life, I was an enemy of the cross of Christ. And God had enough compassion and love for me to run me down, introduce me to himself and give me saving faith. And God demonstrates that that's his heart for these people here, but Jonah's not there yet. That's where we talk about the next couple of weeks. When we talk about having a missional heart, that's us having a desire to see people come to saving faith, even people that we might consider our enemies. So real practically, a couple lessons. I just got three things real fast for us to write down. As it pertains to Jonah chapter one, verses one through three, three things. Number one is this, you can't run away from God. And I know that you know that, but it's not gonna keep you from trying. We just think that we're better at this. And for some reason, we think we can get in our minds, and we're like, hey, listen, I'm not gonna do this and I'm gonna run from the Lord and I'm just gonna tell him no and, and hopefully I can go to a place where he just can't find me anymore. And, it, and it's, it's a silly notion to even think about that, right? Like that we could go somewhere. David tells that. Where, where, where can I go from your presence? If I'm here, you're there. If I go down to the depths of Sheol, you're there too. Like, like everywhere I go, I can't, I can't escape you, Right? Like I said, it's not gonna keep us from, from trying. And so just to kind of give you a picture of how ridiculous it is when you try to run from the Lord, I found a couple of pictures this week that I want you to look at real fast. It's a couple of kids that are playing hide and seek, right? And here's what I know about kids, little, little kids in hide and seek. They're horrible <laughs> at the game, right? And why are they horrible? Because they've convinced themselves that if they can't see you, you can't see them, right? So these two little guys right here think that they're in a great spot, although two-thirds of their body is hanging out from behind that curtain, right? And they're, they're just, they just marvel at how you found them so quickly, right? Like even as parents, like, honestly, you've got to pretend like you can't find them, right? Like, where is Cameron? He's over there the whole time. Like, he thinks that he's great at this game and he's that good, right? Go, go, go to the, show the next one. Like, it, it's the same thing. Like, dad'll never find me here. I think my favorite one might be this last one. <laughs> because in his mind, he's completely covered, right? And he could be in a shipping container and it wouldn't matter. But in this case, he's clear. And it just, it made me realize when I looked at this picture, it so helped me understand God's perspective towards us on this matter, right? Like regardless of where I go or wherever I try to hide, it's like that to God. I, I may as well be hiding in a, in a clear plastic container and I feel like God's just going, hey, Jeremy, you ready to come out? Can we, can we move past this? You know I know where you're at, right? Like 
you, you can't go anywhere. So what am I saying? Like, how should we respond? Listen, just surrender. Like, if, if that describes you, if you're at a place in your relationship with the Lord right now that you're just, you're hauling off in the wrong direction, the opposite direction of the Lord, you don't want any part of whatever it is he's calling you to do or even a part of his, his family or, or relationship with him at all, like, recognize the, the silliness of that and know that he's not going to give up on you. He's going to continue to run you down. So my encouragement to you this morning is give up. Just Surrender. We're going to see that next week. God's not going to give up on Jonah, and he's not going to give up on you either. But the, the silliness that you can run from God, just, just surrender. Number two, we're reminded in these three verses that God loves all people. I know we know this from the New Testament because Jesus shows up, and, and we're like, listen, he's so for and, and people get this all confused, right? Like the God of the Old Testament isn't for everybody. Listen, if you read the Old Testament and you think that God is only for Israel, you're not reading it right. Like, like I don't know what you're reading, but that's not actually the case. God demonstrates time and time and time again that he has a heart for the nations. In fact, what was Israel's number one job? Do you know what it is? It's the same as ours. We call it the Great Commission. But to Israel, God said, listen, you are to be a light to all these people. And they wouldn't do it. They were reluctant to do it. But God was still going to make sure that it happens, hence the book of Jonah. Because God loves all people. Listen, I want you to take this message, and I want you to take it to Nineveh. And we'll see in a couple weeks, they respond in a crazy way, and God relents on the calamity that he had planned for him. Why? Because he's gracious and he's mercy, right? And he, and he loves all people. So the challenge for us is, do we love all people? I'm talking about those that are different than us, those that think different than us, those that vote different than us. Like, like where are we at on this? Like, do we have a desire to see all people come to saving faith like, like God does? And if we don't, that's what we need to ask God to, to tenderize our hearts, that's what he's doing to Jonah throughout these pages of this book. He's trying to bring Jonah along on a journey so that Jonah would eventually end up where God is, which is a love for all people. And then third, we all know it, but we just need to be reminded of it, that God is merciful and gracious. God is merciful and gracious. We'll see this in this book. God is merciful and gracious to the sailors, God's merciful and gracious to the Ninevites. You know who else God is gracious and merciful towards? Jonah. God is gracious and merciful to all of us, way beyond what we deserve. And that's the message that you need to hear this morning, especially for those of you in the room that maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Listen, there's nothing that you've ever done that would keep you from experiencing God's grace. There's no amount of sin that you've committed that, that is beyond God's covering. You can receive forgiveness of all of that and salvation, and it's proved out through the pages of not just the book of Jonah, but this entire book, that God loves you and that God desires a relationship with you and that his heart for you is that you would come to a place of repentance and saving faith. And here's what I know, because God is merciful and gracious, every single time in Scripture where people repent, God relents. Every single time. And that's, same, that's true for you this morning. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to hear that. 
that if you would surrender, if you would repent, if you just give up doing things your way and turn to God, he will forgive you of your sin and you can have a relationship with him. That is the message of the Bible and that's where we're headed with the message of Jonah. And we got a couple weeks to help us get there. But God's gonna mess with us a little bit on the way. He's gonna ask us some hard things. And I'm gonna ask you some hard things and I want you to really think about it and dig down deep. Who, who am I? And how am I responding to what God's calling me to do? And definitely how am I responding to the things that he's asked me to do that maybe I don't want to? So that's, that's what I wanna challenge you with. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we, we ask this morning that, God, that you would just guide us and direct us. God, that you would reveal to us more of who you are. And God, I pray that you'd help us to understand who we are. God, I pray you'd hold up a mirror in front of us and that we would see whether or not we are people that are compassionate towards all people. God, if we're, if we're folks that desire to see even those that we would consider enemies to come to saving faith, God. So God, I pray that you would shine bright lights on those dark places of our hearts, God, and that you would, that you would make us tender people. God, for the things that break your heart, God, we ask that that's what would break ours. God, that we would learn about that on this journey. God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be everyday missionaries. Thank you for salvation. What a good and wonderful gift. And so God, I pray that you'd be with us. Help us to not keep it to ourselves. Help us to share it with every single person we come into contact with. And we pray this in Christ's name.